the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to today's edition of The Plum Line, brought to you by Reasons for Hope, training and equipping a new generation to stand boldly on the Word of God. You can find information about them at r4h.com. That's the letter R, then F-O-R-H.com. I'm your host, Jay Rudolph. On the broadcast, I'll be joined by Mark Terman, the Executive Director of Denison Forum, and we're going to discuss Catholicism from a Biblical Worldview. Stay tuned for this important broadcast, and you can reach me anytime at this email address, theplumlineradio at gmail.com. Plum is P-L-U-M-B, theplumlineradio at gmail.com. Support for the Plumline Radio Ministry is provided by Lori Hammer, functional nutritional therapy practitioner and neuronutrition expert. Lori specializes in brain balancing and hormone health. Whether you're struggling with anxiety, depression, brain injury, or hormone disruption, Lori is the practitioner for you. She sees a wide variety of clients throughout the world, virtually or in person. You can find more information about Lori at lorihammer.com. That's L-A-U-R-I-E hammer.com. Welcome to The Plum Line. I'm your host, Jay Rudolph. On this edition, we're going to talk about Catholicism. And so this will be an interesting broadcast because we take each topic, we examine it from what the Word of God has to say, from a biblical worldview, as I call it. And so even when we're addressing something like this, where it's a a quote-unquote religious issue or denominational issue, we're going to look at what God's Word has to say about it. And so we will do that today, fully realizing that there are some in the listening audience who this may be, you know, kind of a controversial, I guess, maybe is is the word to use, subject. But uh, we want to do this from a very respectful, sensitive manner. And, And as I said, look at what the Word of God has to say. With any issue, any topic that we're talking about, and this is why I call it the plumb line, if what you are believing or living according to for your standard or for your faith even does not align with the Word of God, if it's outside of that plumb line, which is God's Word, then the change that needs to take place is within you, not within God or His Word. And so uh, that's the way I want to preface this, Dr. Mark Terman, who is my guest. Uh, Dr. Terman is the Executive Director of Denison Forum, and you grew up in a large Roman Catholic family in Texas, and so you've got the background and the experience, I guess we could say, to address this. Thanks for having me, Jay. It's great to be on with you, and uh, I at least have my story, right? Everybody has their own unique uh, experience, and I have I have mine, and uh, you know have some relatives that are still actively involved in the Catholic faith, and have many friends here in my town that uh, are also very involved in their Catholic church, and so have have certainly great regard and respect, but also have my own understanding of faith. So glad to talk about all of that. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know, and right at the outset, uh, I want to say that the reason that we do this, and, and honestly, I feel like some people may picture this as, um, why would you, uh, the word that's coming to mind is attack, that's definitely the wrong word, but th- they might see it that way. Why would you attack someone of different faith, belief, or whatever? We definitely do not want to, and that's why I don't even like using that word. That's definitely not the intent here, but as followers of Jesus Christ, as ones who have been transformed by the blood of Jesus Christ shed for my and, and for yours, Dr. Sherman, I think we both have the same goal here, and that is to see every person come into a saving relationship with Jesus Christ and, and be what the Bible calls born-again, born-again Christian. And so uh, we need to clarify some things. We need to explain some things very clearly. That's our goal here. It's out of uh, a sense of both duty and love for those who maybe are deceived in some ways. Well, absolutely. That's the desire, hopefully, of every follower of Christ, our goal ought to be to know Christ and to make him known, and to make him known in every clear way that is in keeping with the most objective standard that we have, which is the Bible, that we come back to that over and over and over again. And and we do like those believers that we see in the book of Acts, particularly in the city of Berea, that they listened to what the Apostle Paul was preaching and what others were saying about faith, and they went back and they looked at the scriptures. They evaluated what they heard, what they were trying to grasp in the context, in the setting of the Word of God. And that's something that we just absolutely have to do over and over again, because it's easy for us to get off target in the walk of faith, and it's easy for us to be deceived, sometimes by people intentionally, sometimes unintentionally, But we come back over and over again to the Word of God in a spirit of humility, asking the Holy Spirit to give us clarity, guidance, and understanding, because we want to have a true, a meaningful, and joyful relationship with Christ built upon His truth that He's passed down to us. Mm, Yes, I really appreciate those thoughts, because, too, it's easy for any person, even if we know Christ and and are walking with Him, we still are broken. We're still sinful people, and so it's all too easy for us to become judgmental, and we definitely, I know I definitely don't want to come across uh, in that way in in any regard, in this broadcast or any broadcast that I do, and that's why our standard is the Word of God, because then the judgment or the the things that we're saying is is not us. It's it's what God's Word has to say. That's the plumb line, and that's the standard. And so let me go ahead and just have you kind of open up with your story, your testimony, Okay. Well, I'll I'll try to be brief. I'm a preacher by trade over the last 35 (laughs) years, so I like to hear myself talk. But but my story really starts with my parents. When they were just out of high school, living in a small East Texas town, as a young married couple, they made an all-out commitment to the Catholic Church in our town, which is a substantial presence in my hometown. And they decided that they were going to be fully committed, and they started building a life together in the early 1950s. And they were doing well. They were starting out business and work and all of those things, and they started having children. One child turned into three, three turned into five, then turned into seven, which is where I came along. And then five years after that, my youngest sister was born. We grew up around some other Catholic families that were in our church, and they were usually large families as well. And we would learn years later that it nearly pushed my mother over the edge because eight children is a lot, but they did really well. And so for the first decade of my life, from 1963 forward, we were in church all the time. We were there every single Sunday, and we were in the private school that the Catholic Church ran and that my parents helped to build. 
My parents were in leadership eventually. The priest was there for the entire time of my growing up. They were close personal friends with him. He was at our home on a regular basis, and it was just the way we did life. What I gained out of that, Jay, was just a very fundamental awareness that God is real. I didn't really grasp much more than that. I just knew that God was the creator of all things and that he had set things in motion. Jesus really didn't make sense to me. He was just this figure that appeared in the Christmas story. But I wasn't drawn to him in any way as a forgiver, a leader, a savior, any of those things. In fact, I have this childhood memory of going to church and there was always this main corner where we would turn to go to church and either going or coming home, there would be a man there selling paintings out of the back of his van. There were always two really large paintings up near the road. One of them was of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane about to be arrested. And the other one was of Elvis. And those two paintings are etched in my mind. And I can always remember thinking, well, if I'm going to follow one of those two people. I think I'm going with the singer. He looks like he's having a lot more fun. And that's just was the impression I had. And then when I was about 10 years old, for reasons that I still continue to learn about, my parents had a series of disappointments with their church and with their priest. Don't know all the details of that. They never talked about it. I had these wonderful, loving parents, this big, very active family. But all of a sudden, in my 10-year-old mind, it was like my parents just turned a corner or flipped a switch and said, we're done with this. And we stopped going to church. And I moved from the second to the third grade out of private school at the church and into public school that was close to my house. And we just stopped going altogether. And I was happy about that because the worship service didn't mean anything to me. It was boring to me. I just didn't understand it. And so when we stopped going, I was totally happy about that. And we became really a sports family, a football family, instead of a faith family at that point. So I entered my teens with little to no spiritual input or direction at all, other than what I'd had as a child. Then when I became a teenager, got to high school, started driving, I met a guy in the high school parking lot who was the son of a Baptist deacon. And I went to work at a grocery store, met another man who was the manager of that store, who when I started having faith questions that were really prompted by a movie of all things, he started explaining some things. He's actually the first person that ever showed me anything in the Bible and said, well, this is talking about that. And that progressed into a series of conversations. My manager at the grocery store, after a few months, bought me a Bible and put a a note in it, said, start in Matthew chapter one, read the story of Jesus. If you have questions, let's talk. And as I read that Bible, Jesus literally just became alive and real to me as I read his story in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And then I got to talking to my high school friend about what I was reading in the Bible, what I was talking about with my other friend. And one night in 1980, in my own backyard, we just got into one of these conversations. And and I said, well, explain to me who Jesus is. My friend Chip connected those dots. And then he explained to me, look, if you're going to be a Christian, you have to choose this by faith. You just don't get to be a Christian because you're born into a certain country or into a certain family. You have to choose to believe in who Jesus is and what Jesus did. And I said, well, how do you do that? And he said, well, you express that through prayer. And I said, well, how do you do that? And he said, I'll help you. I'll guide you. And it might have been the worst 
sinner's prayer ever prayed, but I prayed there in my own backyard with my friend Chip helping me. When we get through, two 17-year-old guys just hanging out in the backyard, and when we're finished praying, he's weeping, and I think that I've just made the best decision I could ever make. Mm. And that's where, to the best of my understanding, I began a relationship with Jesus as my forgiver and my leader, and I've tried to unpack that relationship or develop that relationship by faith ever since then. That's just where it started for me. Mm. Well, this is probably as good a point as any here, but uh, every edition of the Plum Line, I want the gospel to be proclaimed very clearly. And certainly with this edition, there are some differences between the true gospel and what Catholics in, in general would follow in order to earn salvation is, I guess, one of the best ways to put it. And so why don't I have you do that now? So just answer it this way, I guess. What is it that you committed to or believed? As I look back on that experience and, and the things that came before it, Jay, what I would say is, is what I was committing to is a basic fundamental belief that Jesus is God, that he came as our Savior, that he had a unique birth, lived a perfect life, and gave himself as a sacrifice to pay for our sin. And that if we believe in him and believe in what he did as the Savior and as the sacrifice for our sin, then that alone is what forgives us of our sin and makes us right with God. And then out of gratitude for that gift, we seek to live joyfully and gratefully in obedience to him. As the Bible says so many different times and in so many different ways, it's not about earning it. It is about grace. It is about receiving what he made possible and accepting that as an act of faith rather than saying, I do anything to earn it or perform for it. Mm, amen. That is so very succinctly and well put. And I appreciate that because you can't add anything to that simple gospel message of repent and believe. You can't take anything away from it either. If you are to be saved, you must repent and believe without adding or subtracting anything from that basic gospel message. And so that, in a nutshell, is kind of what we're talking about here, what the gospel really is. And um, anytime there is any teaching that goes astray from that, astray from the plumb line, which is God's word and which is the title of this broadcast, the plumb line, that's what we need to address and where we need to get back on the narrow course rather than the broad one. And so our subject today, Catholicism, looking at it from a biblical worldview, my guest is Dr. Mark Terman, the Executive Director of Denison Forum, and having a great visit thus far with him here in this opening segment. A lot of ground to cover, lots of things to talk about on this important issue, and so stay tuned for more. Let me share the email address where you can reach out to me, share your thoughts about this broadcast. Maybe you want to share a topic idea or an idea for a guest with me. I'd really appreciate that. It is theplumlineradio at gmail.com. Remember, plum is spelled P-L-U-M-B, B at the end of there, theplumlineradio at gmail.com. Life can be tough, and sometimes we all need a helping hand. That's where Integrity Counseling Group comes in. At Integrity, we're not just counselors. We're your companions on the journey of healing. We believe in restoring connections with yourself, with your loved ones, and with your faith. With three welcoming locations in Mission Valley, Carlsbad, and San Marcos, plus convenient telehealth services across California, we're right by your side, San Diego. Visit us at integritycounselinggroup.com or call us anytime at 760-283-7000. 760-283-7000.
Support for The Plum Line is provided by these fine business sponsors. Abundant Life Landscape, your irrigation repair specialist. Call them at 619-277-2410. And by Charles McLucas, Jr., founder and CEO of Charitable Trust Administrators, Inc. Learn about the benefits of a charitable remainder trust at ctai-ca.com. This is The Plum Line. I'm your host, Jay Rudolph, and I'm joined by Dr. Mark Terman, who is the executive director of a ministry called Denison Forum. So let's talk a little bit uh, from the standpoint of the word sincerity is what came to mind. And I've heard this, um, you know, or seen this maybe be a better way to put it, not just within Catholics, but religious people in general, whatever religion they may believe in or follow. Sometimes you'll hear people say, well, they're such a sincere person. And and a lot of times it'll be phrased this way. It'll be like, how could God uh, send them to hell when they're so sincere in their beliefs? And uh, that I think I'll just pose it that way, because I've had that asked uh, of me, and I have my own answer to it. But I want to hear what's uh, your response to that. Well, you do hear that comment an awful lot about people in various parts of the world that have had different amounts of revelation. But the Bible makes it pretty clear we are all legitimately accountable to God because We all experience some level of revelation. The book of Romans makes this clear that uh, God, through his creation, has made himself known at a certain level. And so I believe that every person is responsible for the amount of revelation that they have received and that they respond to that revelation from God with humility and with at least a fundamental basic kind of faith. Uh, But it doesn't It really doesn't hold that simply being sincere is enough. Sincerity is certainly important, but we need to be people of humility, people who are willing to look in faith to the things that God is revealing and has revealed, and that I believe God will hold us appropriately accountable for that amount of revelation. But we need to be seeking the truth, and that truth is revealed to us not only in creation, but now has been revealed to us in the person of Jesus Christ, and continues to be revealed by the Holy Spirit in Christ and in His Word and through the Church. So it's it's important, yes, to be sincere, but we need to, to be seeking what is also true and what God has given great affirmation to by multiple means to help us understand who He really is and all that He has done. And the Bible says that that greatest and fullest revelation is in the person of Jesus. So uh, when people ask me, well, what about people who never heard about Jesus? I say, well, you know what? Ultimately, I'm not the judge. You're not the judge. God is the one who knows every person's heart, and God knows what that person has received in terms of revelation, but God also knows what they have done with it. Did they respond to it with humility? Did they respond to it with trust? And then did they go and seek further affirmation and confirmation by asking God to lead them along the way toward greater understanding. Uh, So I believe that God is the one who ultimately decides and that God's grace is bigger than we ever thought or dreamed possible. But that doesn't mean that I believe in universalism. I don't. I don't believe that all roads of sincere belief, whatever they might be. I don't believe that all roads lead to the same place or all roads lead up the same mountain. There is such a thing as deception. There is such a thing as misbelieving. And there certainly is something 
that the Bible speaks too often about disbelieving or refusing to believe. But I believe that God knows our hearts and that God is seeking to make himself known to every person who is humbly willing to seek after him. Mm, yeah, amen. I've heard it put that, uh, you know, I can sincerely believe that uh, the ice on that pond is going to hold me when I go ice skating on it. But if I'm sincerely wrong, I'm going to have a, a pretty sad and very dangerous surprise. And so, as you said, you know, there's a lot more to it than just sincerity. We can believe with all our hearts something. And, and I want to use that comment or thought to transition to the fact that my friends at gotquestions.org, it's a great website if you haven't checked it out, gotquestions.org. But I uh, I'm relying on a little bit of information because they just they put things really well, and they they say that the most crucial problem with the Roman Catholic Church is its belief that faith alone in Christ is not sufficient for salvation. And so, how I'm tying that together is to say that you can sincerely believe that you've got to do a lot of other things to be saved, to be right with God. But if it ends up that you are sincerely wrong, and the Bible does tell you you're sincerely wrong, that if you're working for your salvation and not putting your faith in Jesus Christ alone to save you, that is a very dangerous path, obviously, to be on. Oh, absolutely. It is natural in our sinfulness, Jay, for us to think this way, because in our culture, we believe that people get what they deserve. We kind of fundamentally believe that. We believe in hard work and that people need to strive to do their best to achieve and that they will be rewarded for that. And so it's kind of baked into our way of thinking that you get what you deserve. And that's why the message of God's mercy and grace in Christ is so counter-cultural for us to grasp, that this idea that, that God would come and simply because of His love for us, not because we deserved it, not because we earned it, not because we were paying attention to Him in any way, that, that God decided He would do what only He could do which would be to, to become the sacrifice for our sin and to make reconciliation possible through the giving of himself in the person of Jesus to be our sacrifice. And the Bible just emphasizes this word, grace, over and over and over again. It really can't get any more clear than Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, that it is by grace received through the act of faith that you are saved, and that is nothing that you do. And that is simply the work of God, and that, yes, what follows that is a faith of gratitude, responding to the grace of God, responding to the love of God, but understanding you can never do anything or stop doing anything that is going to cause God to love you more. Salvation is initiated driven and offered simply because of who God is as the loving creator who wants to redeem us and not because we in any way impress him or deserve him. And that's really not only the theme of the Bible, it's, it's specifically, obviously, in many ways, the theme of the book of Romans. It's what the letter of Galatians is about, where, where Paul is saying to the churches in the region of Galatia, look, this is not about adding anything. In fact, you're insulting what Jesus did on the cross if you try to add any of your efforts to what he did. He did absolutely all that was needed for any of us to be forgiven 
and to be reconciled into a right relationship with God. And it is kind of the height of arrogance and insult to try to add anything to that. That's really what I think Paul is arguing for in the book of Galatians. Mm. We're kind of out of time for this segment, but I want to dig more deeply into that. And so we'll do that in in a bit here. But I want to say, first off, that some might be thinking right off the top of their heads, well, what about James? James says that faith without deeds or without works is dead, right? Well, you answered that with my what I call my life verses, Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. Probably a lot of people have Ephesians 2, 8 through 10 as life verses because there's just such a, a wealth of great teaching there, making it clear salvation's by grace through faith, not by works. But then in that verse 10, it goes on to say that we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do, in essence, works. And so as you so well put it, and as James put it, the works do go hand in hand with the faith. But what happens is the faith, the belief in Jesus Christ comes first. And then the works are motivated out of our love for and our appreciation for the one who saved us. And so, yes, there's works involved, but they're not involved for salvation. They're involved for thankfulness and appreciation. I don't know. From your standpoint, was that well put? Oh, absolutely. It is about gratitude, not about merit. And if we get that wrong, then we have really missed the whole essence of what the Christian faith is all about. Yes, Jesus made it clear, James makes it clear, Paul makes it clear, others make it clear that if you really understand what Jesus did for you and you respond to it in faith, your whole life will become an act of gratitude. And that gratitude, that love responding to God's love is the best motivation that we will ever find. Not fear, not guilt, always gratitude ought to be the thing that is moving us to be obedient to God, to be following hard after and serving him, not because we have to, but because we get to, because of the love that he's poured out on us in Christ and in his grace. Well, thank you, Mark. And for my friends in the listening family, be sure to tune in tomorrow, same time, same place, for part two of my discussion with Mark Terman of Denison Forum as we talk about Catholicism from a biblical worldview. And I hope that you will join me again tomorrow as we continue this discussion. You can reach me anytime via email at this address, theplumlineradio at gmail.com. Remember, Plum is P-L-U-M-B, theplumlineradio at gmail.com. See you next time on The Plum Line. The Plum Line has been sponsored by Reasons for Hope. Check them out at r4h.com. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for donald trump to hire i find out the worst enemy that i'm going to face in my life is right here in america they took my assessment and they wanted me to change it i was like i'm not changing it they had to get rid of flint with in-depth interviews archival footage and never before seen personal record to the man behind the headlines i just felt like i was drowning flynn deliver the truth whatever the cost available now watch it today go to salemnow.com salemnow.com